The book of Deuteronomy, which if you judge by the quotes he used, was Jesus' favorite Old Testament book, is actually a look backward at, let's call it the train wreck that Israel had become due to their disobedience. Moses' last sermon, remember he was denied entrance into the promised land, his last sermon, after 40 years of leading the nation, his voice is now going to become the voice of future generations. And he says to the nation, there are two paths. One of them is unthinkable. So, choose life. The future is not certain. The way forward is not guaranteed. Every generation, every generation must choose. So that the question really is not who is on the Lord's side, but rather the question is whose side is the Lord on? And the short answer, the only answer really, is that God is on the side of anybody and everybody that chooses life every time. And doesn't it always surprise us and shock us when someone doesn't choose life? Just in the last month, two more mass shootings in Texas. We don't understand. Why would someone choose death over life? The addict who picks up and uses again and again and again, knowing full well what the consequences are. The sexual predator that preys on those who are weaker. None of them, none of them were born to do this. Something terribly wrong happened to them somewhere along the way. So healing word number one today is to apply this test to any decision you must make. Are you choosing life with this decision? And it comes with a warning label too. You can't fix yourself by breaking somebody else. Or another way to put it is blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours shine brighter. It only brings more darkness to the room. Healing word number two. Truth-telling. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he could just as easily have said, you'll know the truth and the truth will heal you. This also comes with a bit of a warning and that is that truth-telling can be done as a weapon. You can bludgeon somebody with the truth if that's what you wish to do. But truth-telling with love and compassion is different. For instance, you can tell a drunk that he's a drunk and you would have told him the truth, but you still would not have told him everything because he's more than that. Hardest funeral I ever did 
bar none, was for a gentleman who was a friend of mine. He was um, a completely loved and respected man. And if you had polled anybody in the church at the time, they would have said that he would have been the last person that they would have ever thought could take his own life. He was so loved and respected. He was an engineer in his lifetime, very, very smart. And in his retirement, he was a handyman. And he was so good at it. And the people loved and trusted him so much that when he died, he had 70 house keys. So the time for the funeral came, and clearly, a suicide is the hardest thing of all. And you hear well-meaning people say things that really, if they thought about them, they probably wouldn't say, but it doesn't seem to stop us from doing it. And so early on, there were people who would come up and say things to his widow like, this was God's will. Well, it absolutely certainly was not. And that's the truth. So please don't say things like that. And this, the suicide was the elephant in the room and we had to deal with it. We couldn't have that funeral without telling the truth about that moment. So I had to say things that were hard to say and probably harder to hear. So instead of running out religious platitudes, which is what you're likely to hear, we had to say things like, you can't know what you can't know today. And because that is so true, please, please don't try to make something up just to make yourself feel better and put a bow around this event. You're going to have to learn, I said, you're going to have to learn to live with not knowing what caused this. It's inexplicable. And it hurts not to have some answer. And everybody tried. I tried it too. Was he depressed? He sure didn't act like it, ever. Was he sick? Didn't seem to be. Was he in financial trouble? Don't think so. And all of those things that keep running through your mind, but it wasn't the truth. The truth was we were going to have to learn as disciples to trust God with not knowing what happened to our friend. That kind of truth, even though it's hard, is what brings healing, genuine healing. And part of the reason for that, I think, is because the heart is the only instrument that when it's broken, works the way it's supposed to. Healing word number three. This one is one that you say to yourself. You have nothing to prove to be loved. Liston Mills was my uh, pastoral care um, professor at Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> little guy, Southern Baptist. He, um, my first year, he offered a course called The Psychology of Religion. I was a psychology major in undergraduate school, so I was all over this, right? 
And I see that course being offered, and I looked at it, and I saw the title, and I thought, okay, if I, need, I need an easy class to go through. This will be my, my thing. I didn't pay any attention to the number out beside because I didn't know what the numbers meant. But it was a 400-level course. And for those of you who have been through that, um, it was a Ph.D.-level course. And here I was, first-year master's student. So I went into Mills, and I said, Dr. Mills, I'm a psychology major. I want to take this class. And he said, well, you know, this is for upper level students. And I said, but I'm a psychology major. He said, fine. About two weeks into the class, he pulled me aside. <laughs> and he said, Mr. Hughes, he said, the test we just took. He said, you not only failed this test, but you failed it with distinction. I still don't even know what that means, but it wasn't good. But it was a devastating moment for me because being a first-year student, I began to wonder whether or not I was good enough to be there. I failed a test with distinction, so I, maybe I don't belong here. And Mills saw it. He could see it. And he pulled me aside and he said something to me that somebody needed to have said to, him, to me 20 years earlier. And maybe they tried, and maybe they just didn't say it the right way, or maybe I wasn't ready to hear it. But he pulled me aside, and he said, Mr. Hughes, you need to remember that just because you failed this test doesn't make you an F human being. You just failed this task. You'll do better next time. And he was right. I had wrapped up my whole worth, who I was as a human being, to either do well or not do well on a test. There is a difference between shame and guilt. Shame is what you feel when somebody attacks who you are at your core. Guilt is something you feel when you've made a mistake. And it's not unhealthy in the right dosage. I was in the grocery store not long ago and I heard a mother talk to her child. And I don't think she was thinking clearly when she did this but her child was acting like a child and was playing with stuff on the shelves and grabbed something and it dropped and it broke and it spilled everywhere and without thinking I think her mother said can't you do anything right and you just want to stop real quick and look at her and say you realize that that's the kind of thing that stays with somebody their whole life it's not a healing word that's a that's a word of death Kate was at the house a couple weeks ago and she spilled some milk. And she was fiddling around at the table, probably in ways that weren't good and probably ways that was going to cause her to spill milk. What surprised me, and I've seen Kate get hurt and I've seen her cry when she gets hurt, but what I saw in her that day was her face just contorted and she began to look so pitiful that she had done an awful, awful, horrible thing that could never be forgiven. And the easiest thing in the whole world was simply to look at her and say, Kate, everybody spills. Everybody. It's okay. Can you imagine how powerful the words were, the father of the prodigal son, the son who had disrespected his family, had damaged his family, had damaged his father, damaged his brother, 
They don't even talk about the mother, but you can imagine it damaged her too. Can you imagine how powerful the words are when he came home that before he's able to offer an apology for anything, his father says, bring out the robe, bring out the ring, put it on his finger, bring out the sandals, kill the fatted calf because my son is home. And may I add another line to that? He's home and I don't care why. When I hear people talk about the prodigal story, they always want to assign some blame and they want to assign some punishment. What, what are we going to do to this kid for acting so bad? And they start imagining all the things that should be done to this prodigal kid. But that's not what the story says. What the story says is the father welcomed him back and without saying it, said, I don't care why he's back. He was lost and he's found. Can you imagine the healing that happens when you say those words? Moses looked over his people. He was not going to be able to go any further with them. Remember, he had disobeyed God at a particular moment out there in the wilderness and his punishment for disobeying God was that he was not going to be allowed to go to the promised land. And so there after 40 years, he sits on the precipice overlooking Canaan. And he says this, God has given you everything you need, all the grace that you will ever need to make life possible. You also have more than enough to take life away. And that's unthinkable. So therefore, choose life. And for our generation, would you allow me to add this one final word? Stop waiting for God to swoop in and fix stuff. That is not God's MO in the Bible. Rarely does God intervene and just change everything and fix everything for everybody. What God does is chooses real human beings like you and I, shows us a path and says, go. We already have everything we need to heal a broken world. So the truth is, we are the ones we've been waiting for. It's us. Choose life. All of this is in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.